know her name. I know her name. It's just a slip for a second. Let's give her a hand, guys. Jackie's going to give us a testimony. Good morning, everybody. Um, I just wanted to share with you guys um, my testimony. It's going to be a year that I've been saved. And I can't thank the Lord enough for his abundance of love and pulling me out of the darkness that once consumed me. Uh, there was, I was very angry, very bitter, and broken. I came to Metro Praise, and he filled my heart with peace, love, and joy, and happiness. I no longer lean onto my understanding. I've surrendered all to him and couldn't be any happier. I just wanted to share a scripture with you that always weighs on my heart when I think of where I came from. And it's, have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. According to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions, wash away all my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. So I just wanted to close out in prayer and just pray for everyone here. If you haven't been saved, I encourage you to talk to our prayer workers and just at this time of worship, just allow God to just touch your heart and really open up to him. Let's pray this morning. Father, Lord, we thank you for what you're doing in this church. Come on, let's lift our hands, church. God, we thank you that we can come this morning in your presence, that you're here in this place with the rest of the body of believers. God, we, we honor you. We lift you up in this time. Come on and just pray. Before we, we met here this morning, we started this service, we were praying and we were asking God to put things in our heart. And with that same heart, we just come before you, God. I know we're going to sing some songs. We're going to get excited. But I feel led of the Lord right now in this time to really just earnestly seek him in this time. And just pray for our city. Pray for this nation. You're an able God. You're not idly sitting back. God, you use us. So we come here as a church to be refreshed, God, to seek your face, to lift you up, to pray together this morning. Yes, that you have your way, oh God. All right, church, let's do this. We serve a mighty God, amen? Come on. Come on, clap your hands. Salvation arrives as we sing of your freedom. We leave the past behind as we look to your kingdom. You raise a great divide between our hearts and your glory. And our sin dissolve in the depths of your mercy. Yes, we are devoted. We are devoted to you. Your light will shine in the darkness. Your light will shine in the dark, in the dark. We are your light. Your light will shine in the darkness. Your light will shine in the dark, in the 
your love that fills me up and all that blows my cup. Would you just ask the Lord to overflow your cup? Come on. Fill me up, it overflows my cup, oh Lord. Come on, you have no idea what God is capable of. You have no idea what God can do in your life right now in this time of worship. When we sing that, God, fill me up. It's your love that overflows my cup. It's not just an emotion. Come on. We're talking about the power of God in this place. So come on, with hands lifted up, let's sing that out. It overflows my cup, oh Lord. It's your love that fills me up. It overflows. Come on, let's sing that out. It's your love that fills me up. It overflows my cup, oh Lord. It's your love that fills me up. It overflows my cup, oh Lord. We need you, Lord. We need you, Lord. We need. We so desperately want you, God. In this time of praise, in this time of praise. And God, I look to you, cause I won't be overwhelmed. Give me vision. I see things like you do. And God, I look to you, you where my help comes from, give me wisdom, you know just what to do, yeah. Sing it out. God, I look to you, and I won't be overwhelmed. Give me vision. I see things like you do. And God, I look to you, you where my help is from. Give me wisdom. You know just what to do, Love you, Lord, and I will love you, Lord, my strength. And I will love you, Lord, my shield. And I 
And hallelujah, Jesus reigns. Hallelujah, Jesus reigns. Jesus Christ. Come on, declare it over this city. Start to lift up your families and friends. Oh, Hallelujah, Jesus raised. Hallelujah, Jesus raised. Hallelujah, Jesus raised. Hallelujah, Jesus raised. Forever, all my days. Despite all the calamity, Lord, you reign alone. You reign, oh God. You're a strong tower. You're a strong tower. Oh, to your people. Oh, to your people, Lord. Be near to us, God. Be near to us, Lord. Come on, do you know that in the times of trouble, Come on, the triumphs of despair with the shootings and the deaths and the corruption. Did you know that in times of trouble, the Lord is near? Where is the Lord? Church, he's in this place. He's in you. Come on, let's seek him right now. Let's press in a little further. Past the goosebumps, past the noise. And you lift up your voice. Come on. Jesus, you reign. Over this city, let's proclaim that. There's no greater evil. There's nothing too big, nothing too out of your reach, Lord. Come on, church, let's lift our voice. I want to encourage you right now to lift your voice. That when you see it in the news, it wouldn't get old to you. That you would begin to pray. 
Because you have faith. Let's faith stir up in this place, O oh Lord. Let faith stir up in this place, Jesus. Come on. We pray for faith, O oh God. We pray for faith for your people. Jesus in this place. Let faith arise. It's our prayer in this morning. Let faith arise, God. Let us be a people of power. In Jesus' name. You reign, oh God. You reign, oh God. You reign in this place, Jesus. God, we're not afraid of what the times may say. In church, everyone can can say this or say that, but we know that God reigns on the throne and there's power when we pray. There's power when you open up your mouth. There's power when you proclaim things in your workplace, in your job. It may be normal, that's normal, another shooting. How about when you hear it at your job, proclaim, man, I pray in Jesus' name that that stops. Step out in faith and boldness. Maybe you're seeing something, you're going through something. Step out in faith and proclaim it. Say it. Let people hear. That stirs up faith. Faith comes through. That's right. We need to speak it out in this place. Jesus, you're at the center of everything that we do as a church. And in this time of worship, God, we don't get ahead of ourselves and get too hyped up, God, but we come back to you, to your throne. Holy Spirit, you're in this place. Come on, if you're filled with the Spirit, just begin to pray in the Spirit right now. So we make time for you, Lord. Before we move to this next song, is there a word in the house this morning? Is there a word in the house this morning for the church? Is there another word here in the house of the Lord?
Jesus at the center of it all. Jesus at the center of it all. From beginning to the end, it will always be, it's always been you, Jesus. Jesus. Nothing else matters Nothing in this world will do Cause Jesus, you're the center And everything revolves around you Jesus, you at the center of it all, at the center of it all. Come on, say Jesus at the center. Jesus at the center of it all. Jesus at the center of it all. From beginning to the end, it will always be, it's always been you, Jesus. Jesus, nothing else matters. Nothing in this world will do. Jesus, you're the center, and everything revolves around you. Jesus, you at the center of it all. At the center of it all. Come on, see Jesus be the center. Jesus be the center of my life. Jesus be the center of my life. From beginning to the end, it will always be, it's always been you, Jesus. Jesus, nothing else. Jesus, you're the center, and everything revolves around you. Jesus, you, from my heart to the heavens, 
Jesus, be the center. It's all about you. Yes, it's all about you. From my heart to the heavens, Jesus, be the center. It's all about you. Yes, it's all about you. Sing that church. From my heart to the heavens, Jesus, be the center. It's all about you. Yes, it's all about you. From my heart to the heavens, Jesus, be the center. It's all about you. Yes, it's all about you. From my heart. From my heart to the heavens, Jesus be the center. It's all about you. Yes, it's all about you. From my heart to the heavens, Jesus be the center. It's all about you. Yes, it's all about you. From my heart. of our hearts. 
Jesus, it's because of what you did for us. It's because of the love that you showed us, because of the mercy and grace that was poured down upon us. It's why you're the center. It's because no one else in this world has ever done what you've done. It's because no one else in this world can compare to who you are. It's because no one else has loved us when we were down and dirty, God, but you saw us at our weakest and you stretched out your hand. That's why you're the center. You're the center because you're the king. You're the center because you are God of the universe. You are center because our reason is within you. You are the center. Oh, come on, we cast out every religious spirit in the name of Jesus. We're here for you. Hallelujah, we're here for you. We're here for you. We're here for you, Jesus. Come on, right now, just tell them in your own words, I'm here for you. You are at the center. You are at the center. Be at the center, King. And the reason for why we do what we do, dear God, and why we call ourselves Christians and why we come together, dear God, in fellowship, it's because of you. You've given us life. You've given us purpose and reason, Lord God. So we ask that you would continue being at the center of everything that we do. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen and amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Amen and amen. Won't you greet your neighbor as we get ready to present the gospel? Please take a seat. Welcome to Metro Praise International. It's so good to have you all here with us this morning. We are about to partake of communion together. And as I preach the gospel, our ushers will begin to pass out the elements to you. Welcome. My name is Pastor Griselda. I'm very excited to be with you here this morning. I'm here this morning because Jesus saved me. Amen. Amen. I'm here this morning because he gave me reason and purpose. He had mercy, he had grace upon my life when I did not deserve it. He gave me eternal life. Amen. Do we have any disciples in the house who can relate to that? Come on, if you know you've been saved, you know you've been transformed from the inside out, it's because of the good news. See, before I knew the good news, I only knew about bad news. I only knew that I had no place in God's kingdom. I was a sinner, and I, could care, I couldn't care any less. I wanted nothing to do with God, and I know that if you can acknowledge Jesus Christ today, you can relate to my story. You lived your life, and you had no reason to draw near to God. You had no reason to even step into a church. And you were headed in an opposite direction, but somewhere, somehow, God's message got to you, the good news that he had to offer, and it's the same thing with me. God intervened, not because he's an ugly, wicked God, because he's a loving, merciful God that knew that without him intervening, I was on my way to hell. So brothers and sisters, if you're in this room this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ, I'm about to share some good news with you. Your sin 
is not right in the eyes of God. And on the day of judgment, on the day that you leave this world, you will face a holy God. And without this good news, you stand no chance before him. The Bible tells us here in Romans 5, 8, you see, at just the right time when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. So it's not common, right, for someone to lay down their life for another. You don't see that very often. You might possibly die for someone who may be good. But God, somebody say, but God. He demonstrates his own love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Amen? God knew our sin in his foreknowledge. He knew the sin of each and every one of us. That while we were still sinners, while we were still lost, while we still blasphemed his name, while we still boasted in our sin, he had already made a plan of salvation for us. He sent Jesus Christ to die for our sins. Amen? That's love. That's not a wicked God. That's not a God who sits high in his throne and has nothing to do with us. No, God saw us. He still loved us in our mess, and he sent Jesus Christ the best. He sent nothing but the best for us to die in our place so that we would receive forgiveness of our sins. If you're in this place and you are on the fence and you have not made Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of your life, the Bible says you do not have eternal life. You don't have a place in his kingdom. But if you shall repent of your sins and turn to Jesus Christ this morning, put your faith on what he did for you, the Bible says you shall be saved. Amen? The Bible calls that being born again. He gives you new life from the inside out. God is real, my friends. He is the all-powerful, the all-knowing God, and he's not a God to be played with. He is a God to be taken seriously. And today we have the opportunity to receive mercy, to receive grace, new life. If you want that, if you want that, that's for you this morning. One step, one word, just opening up your heart and saying, God, I receive what you did for me. Set me free from my sin. Set me free from the wages of this sin. And God will show up instantly. So what I want to do right now is I want to pray before we get to communion. For those of you who may be saying, I want that today. I'm tired of running from God. Today can be the day of your salvation. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you. We thank you that while we were still sinners, you died for us. You made a way for us to be saved. You didn't leave us in our mess, but you showed up. You showed us what love looked like to lay down your life for another, not just a friend, but even for an enemy. We thank you, dear God, that you saved us. And you don't only leave us there, dear God, but then you call us into your kingdom. And you call us your children, and you call us your friend. So I pray right now for those who are not saved, dear God, that they would run to you, that they would repent of their sins and receive the life that you have for them here on this earth. And they would be the disciples that you've called them to be. Holy Spirit, I pray for the conviction that only you can bring to just knock on hearts. And that there will be full surrender today. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen.
Amen. If that's you and you want to be saved and you want someone to continue guiding you, we're going to have some prayer workers during our time of fellowship. And you can come up and you can pray with them. If we could just stand to our feet so we can partake in the communion together. See, the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians about that love that we were just talking about, that we are to come together and remember that, what Jesus did on the cross. 1 Corinthians 11.23 tells us, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took the bread. Everybody take your bread. Take the wafer. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So right now we're going to take this wafer representing Jesus' body that was broken, that was whipped for us, that took our place on that cross. And we're going to do it in remembrance of him. Let's take it together right now. take a moment right now if there's anything between you and the Lord that you just want to to share if there's something on your heart that's weighing heavy that you need to repent of or you just want to share your great love for him just take a moment right now Hallelujah. and then the scripture says in the same way after supper he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. So let's take of the juice representing Jesus's blood, representing the new covenant that now it's by faith in what Jesus did and no longer because of the law. Hallelujah. Lord, we thank you that we can come together and we can remember your death that was for us, the sacrifice that you made. You were the perfect lamb without blemish that took our place, that was sacrificed. Lord, and no longer do we have to work for our salvation. We have to do that. We keep the, all the commandments, but all we have to do is put our faith in you and love you with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, Lord God. We pray that we would continuously walk in remembrance of what you did. And in that same attitude right now, God, we want to just sing this song one more time together as a church. Jesus at the center of our hearts. Jesus be the center of it all. From beginning to the end, it will always be. It's always been you, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus at the center of it all, Jesus at the center of it all, from beginning to the end, it will always be. It's always been you, Jesus, Jesus, nothing else matters. 
Welcome to MPI Church. You guys excited to be in the house of God this morning? Come on, God is good, isn't he? All the time, God is doing great things. Welcome to Metro Praiser International, where we have service every Sunday at 10 a.m. and 1 p.m. Are you guys excited? Come on, God is so good. And we have our Elevate, come on, Elevate Youth Service every Friday at 7 p.m., ages 11 to 18-year-old. If you have any youth, please send them out. We want to have them come, get mentored and discipled. And so I got two big announcements for you. Here's the big one right here, a tribute to the king. December 20th is our Metro Praise Christmas service. Are you guys excited for this? Uh, you guys don't even know what's about to be, what's about to happen. This is going to be powerful, powerful time of uh, having a, a, a word and people coming up here to share their gifts and their talents before everybody, and it's all for Jesus. And so December 20th is this service. If you want to come, please, we have an event page on Facebook. Find it, sign up, and send it out to all your family members and friends. Great time to evangelize, great time to share the gospel, and invite people to church because somebody, you know our family members want something to do for the Chris for the holidays, right? And so auditions are being held today at 3 p.m. If you have questions about that, please talk to myself. The next announcement is our Christmas family fun night. You guys excited for this? Let me tell you, it's December 23rd at 6.30 p.m. This is huge. We have a great turnout for this, and we're going to have games, crafts, gifts for all children. And another special thing about this is we're going to have raffles. We're going to be raffling off some bikes, some gift cards, toys, and so it's going to be exciting. The children love it, so if you uh, have your children, bring them, bring your neighbors, your nieces, nephews, all of them. We're going to have a great time. Uh, and we are also excited accepting gift donations so if you want to say i want to bless one of the kiddos bring on a gift a, a new gift wrapped up and we'll bless somebody with it in your name amen and so here at mpi we have a vision of loving god and loving people amen the two greatest commands that jesus christ gave us and so everything that we do here is through that vision and we have a discipleship strategy which is connect mentor and send somebody say connect we want to make sure that Jesus Christ is Lord of your life. You're connected to him first, and then next you're connected to our life groups. So please pull out your uh, flyers, and right here you're going to see a complete list of everything that we have going on at the Metro. We have something for the children. We have something for uh, Bible study. We have something for married people, singles life group. And so here's what's going on this week. Today we have our single men and women life group. Are you guys excited for that? They're actually going to uh, Navy Pier's Winter Wonderland Festival. So you're going to meet here at 4 p.m. Talk to Cynthia right there in the back. Cynthia Elliott, wave your hand. They can give you more information. It's going to be fun. It's going to be a blast. And so you want to make it out there. Then this Wednesday, we have our King's Kids Night happening at 6.30 p.m., infant to 11 years of age. It's our Boys and Girls Club. Thursday, we have our gang outreach happening at 7 p.m. at that location, 1320 North Laurel, going out, reaching to the gangs in the community. And then Friday, we have our Bible study taking place at the Govea's and the Walker's house. And lastly, Saturday, we have our evangelism happening at 5 p.m., meeting here at the church. Come on, they're blowing it up. 
It is amazing. And so that's how you can, can get connected here at MPI. So if you haven't done so yet, please talk to myself and I can help you uh, head in the right direction. And so after you get connected, you want to make sure you get mentored. Somebody say mentored. Okay, somebody wants to teach you about Jesus, walk with you, teach you the basics, the fundamentals, be there for you to spur you on to good works. And so you can meet with an elder or a deacon at a time that is convenient for you. And after you graduate the one-on-one, -on -one, you go on into the 201 class, all right? 201 is a place where disciples learn to make disciples. And so it goes deep in depth, powerful time, raising you up because the last part of the strategy is send. Somebody say send. You cannot stay. You have to go. That's why the last part is send. We want to send you out into the community. God wants you to make an impact all around you. And so we're preparing you and equipping you. And the last part of our goal is 100,000 souls here in the city of Chicago, 50 churches here, and 500 all around the world. Amen? God is doing it, and he's using each and every one of us. And so get connected. Be a part of that. If you have any questions, talk to myself. Amen? And so right now what we're going to do, is we're going to get into our giving lesson. So we're going to open up into our giving book. We are in lesson number seven, Overcoming Impatience. And so in this section, we've been talking about hindrances that come up in a disciple's lives. And so one of the hindrances can be being impatient. So the definition here says a hindrance is something that prevents us from being obedient to God's command. And so regarding impatience, let's read, uh, regarding patience, let's read James 5, 7. He said, be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. Amen? we got to be patient. So let's go on to the, the first point. Number one, it says be patient. Patient means to bravely endure times of waiting. The good farmer cannot become impatient with the seeds he's planted. He must bravely endure the time of waiting because if he tries to gather his crops too early, he will lose his harvest. Amen? He will lose his harvest. He will lose all that work that he put in there. He will lose his seeds. And so as a farmer, you, you don't have a choice but to be patient in waiting for your harvest to come up. And a lot of times as believers, we continue to sow good seed and we grow tired, right? We grow tired of doing good. And so the Bible tells us that we are to be patient when we continue sowing these good seeds into God's kingdom. Number two, the Lord is coming. Just like how we are patiently waiting for the second coming of Jesus, we must be like the farmer and patiently wait for our financial harvest. Amen? We got to wait for that financial harvest to come. We don't know how it's coming. We don't know when it's coming, right? Just like we don't know when Jesus is coming and how he's coming. But it's coming, right? Because we're standing on his promises and we're believing that he will do what he said he would do. And so number three, valuable crop. Remember as surely as good seed in good ground with good weather under the care of a good farmer will produce a good harvest. Our good God will reward our good seed with a good harvest if we bravely endure the times of waiting. Amen? So it says bravely. There will be times where we might have fear, where we might have insecurities as we're not seeing our harvest come our way. But we have to bravely endure because 
during that time of wait is when our hearts are being tested, right? But we will see that good harvest come to pass. So in summary, be patient in waiting for God to bless you, amen? And so if you're saying, I want to apply this to my life, how do I start? Here's three steps to apply this to, to yourself. Number one, be faithful in giving your tithes. That's 10% of your total income belongs to the Lord. And offering, be faithful in giving your offering. That's anything that you give after your tithe. Number two, repent if you've become impatient with God. And lastly, ask God to teach you how to be patient. Amen. God, give me patience to wait. Patience to wait, right? So let's recite this confession over ourselves. One, two, three. By the power of the Holy Spirit and the guidance of the word of God, I will not be hindered by greed, laziness, unbelief, discouragement, or fatigue in my giving to God. I will overcome bitterness, impatience, pride, fear, idolatry, and live a life of obedience in my finances. Amen. Please stand to your feet. So here at MPI, anytime that you give your tithe, it goes to the general fund. It takes care of all the operating expenses. And so whenever you give after that, you choose. Somebody say, I choose. I really want you to get this. Whether you want to give towards the missions or the building fund. And so anytime you give towards missions, and go, it goes towards various missions uh, projects that we have, different ministries that we're supporting. And so whenever you give to the building fund offering, it's going to go to the new band equipment. Somebody say new band equipment. All right, which takes me to the next slide. Come on, give it up for this. This is our 2016 MPI building fund offering project that we are taking on. Amen. And so, again, it's for 2016. We want to prepare you. We want to let you know what the new year is bringing. And so as a church, what we're planning and going after is raising $11,120 to raise new equipment, new sound equipment, new uh, speakers. We are actually going to enlarge our stage. So you guys are going to see it. We do everything in excellence at MPI, and it's just time. Somebody say it's time. Okay, I know our band can definitely testify that it's time, and, and so we want to do that this new year, and so we're asking you to partner with us. So three things we're asking you to do now in December is, number one, pray. Ask God, what is the amount he wants you to give? Okay, not what do you have to give, but what is the amount God has for you to give? It may not be something that you have with you now, but something God wants to bless you to go to you and through you. Amen? Number two, listen at, to what God is. What is I'm sorry, I can't see it. It says, listen, make time to, the to listen to the Holy Spirit to speak to you. So as you pray, make time to listen. And lastly, give. Be faithful to give generously and sacrificially. Amen. Let's recite this scripture together in Luke. Are we going there? there. Oh, and just a reminder, you can always give online, and if you want to give your, with your credit cards, please talk to myself in the back. And let's recite this scripture together in Luke 6.38. Jesus said, give and it will be given to you, for with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you because you are good all the time. Dear God, when we have much and when we have little, you never fail. You're always the same. But Father God, we pray as we bring forth our finances, as we sow good seed into good ground, 
that we will reap a good harvest at MPI. I pray that everything that we bring to your throne, dear God, will be used for your glory, that you will multiply, dear God, what we bring to you. In Jesus' name, make way for those who may be struggling financially. I pray for favor and promotions, dear God, as they work hard and diligently, Lord. In Jesus' name, have your way with our tithes and offerings. In your name we pray, amen. Thank you so much. Please come up as you give. Amen. If you love Jesus, can I get a what? What? Come on, look at your neighbor and say, you look nice today. Look at your other neighbor and say, you look better. Oh, I'm kidding. Half kid, half kid. I don't want to get anybody in trouble with their wives or husbands. So good to see you guys here. Quick update with my wife. Thank you for your prayers. We are now going to get the surgery, or she is rather, going to get it Wednesday. Amen. Praise God. We prayed. The insurance came through. And so starting next week, Wednesday, keep her in prayer for the surgery, and then we're going to recover after that. I'm going to be there helping her, and hopefully we'll get her back here soon. How many want to see Nancy? You guys want her back in the house? Amen. <laughs> Praise God. Open up your Bibles with me to John chapter 15. We are talking about the series Abide, and today's message is the pruning. Everybody go, ooh. Come on, one more time. Ooh. The pruning, we are going to be talking about the snip, snip of the Lord. So you may want to put a hashtag out today, God is pruning me, snip, snip, hashtag snip, snip. Come on, it's about being pruned. It's about God getting out the things in your life that don't belong and putting the right things in. We're in John chapter 15. We are in this powerful sermon series. All the, uh, passage, uh, all the past messages are online and you can go back and check any of them or all of them if you have missed them. John 15, 1, if you're there, say, I'm there. Awesome. Every time you hear the word abide, what are you going to do? You're going to say, abide. Thank you. I am the true vine. Jesus talking. My father is the vine dresser or the gardener. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he what? prunes that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. Let's keep going. Verse 5. I am the vine. You are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit for without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not Abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. That may be next week's message, into the fire. 
Seriously, into the fire. We need to have a good message on hell, don't we? We need to understand it's a reality, don't we? It's, it's not make-believe, and it really needs to be a part of our doctrines. Thrown into the fire, and they are burned. Everybody say burned. Come on. If you abide in me and my words, abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you may bear much fruit, so you will be my what? Disciples. How many disciples do I have in the house today? Amen. That's what we're doing. That's what we're doing here. As the Father loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. How many times was the word abide there? Ten times the word abide was used. Here is the illustration that Jesus is giving us. You've seen it quite a bit if you've been coming every week. This is the vine and the branches bearing forth fruit. Jesus is that vine going right down the middle here of this picture. We are these uh, lush green branches coming forth from that vine, and the fruit that comes out of our lives are all the good things that God wants to do in us. A healthy marriage is a fruit of the Lord. A young person living pure is a fruit of the Lord. Prosperity on your job, blessing in our community, holiness, all all of these things, fruit of the Spirit, these are the fruit that we're to bear in our lives. The Father, the gardener, is present in this garden, isn't he? He allows things to happen that sometimes are painful for us. We've had a whole message on that. But he is present in the garden watching over us. And one of his key roles that we're going to learn today is he likes to prune. Everybody say prune. Now, for those of you who are not familiar with the agricultural uh, setting of this, here's a picture of someone pruning a branch. There are two reasons why branches get pruned. Uh, sometimes there is something of death in the branch, and they have to get it out so it doesn't affect the whole entire branch. Maybe a bug has started to eat at the part of the branch, and it's gotten sick, and it's going to start infecting the rest of the branch like a termite or whatever, and they will cut out part of that branch. Another reason is the branch is doing awesome. There's actually, uh, actually nothing wrong, but for it to grow better, stronger, healthier, it must be pruned. And so you will see this in the Bible that there's really two ways that God will prune us. One is just for our benefit to grow while we're doing things right, and other times it's for discipline when we're doing things wrong. Now today I don't have the opportunity to talk about how God just expands us and just blesses us in that pruning process because I think that's pretty easy. I think everybody will understand that, and maybe I'll get into that as I talk more about the fruit and how God sometimes will shift you and move you for good things to happen for you to go to a whole nother level. Everybody say level. But today's message is going to be talking about getting the junk out, those bad branches that can affect your life. And so we're going to be equating today the pruning of the Lord with God's discipline. Now, before you get scared on me, I want you to hear this. Discipline in the Bible is a good thing. Remember we just read that it's the gardener who does the pruning. It's not the devil. The devil is not the one who gets to prune our lives. It's Jesus. Now, some of you might remember this old scripture that said, it's a, you know, it's all scripture is old, but uh, it's a famous saying, I should say, that no weapon formed against you shall prosper. How many have heard that before? Do you know why that scripture is true? Because in Isaiah, the weapon that's being mentioned there, mentioned there is actually the blacksmith 
forging in hot fire steel into his design. We could say forging it into a horseshoe, forging it into a sword. And so what the Bible is saying there is no weapon formed against you will prosper because when God allows things to happen in your life, it won't happen for evil. It will only happen for good. Somebody say God's discipline is never evil. It's only good. So now, when bad things happen to you, is that God punishing you for your sake? No, unless you have sinned and God has literally told you, I am punishing you because of this sin. You are not to look at your life superstitiously as if God is always trying to punish you, to teach you. So I'll give you an example. You're riding, uh, driving in your car today. You get a flat. You're not going to say, oh, you know what? I was running late. God wants to teach me to leave earlier. That's why I got the flat. Somebody say that's superstitious. Or let's say, you know, you're, you're talking to someone and you're, you're in a discussion and maybe while you're eating you accidentally bite your lip and you go, oh, I bit my lip. And they go, see, that's what happens. God is punishing you. See, that's not how discipline works. God does not come and hurt us and punish us in teaching us lessons. Now, there are times in the Bible where God will allow hurt, but it's very rare and it's very clear that this hurt is becoming uh, is because of this sin. And you'll see that with the people of Israel. You'll see it with individuals. So very often I see Christians struggle with this mindset like God is cursing me, God is doing that. And here's the thing, unless you've heard a sure word from God or other Christian leaders have come along and confirmed that, don't take on that mindset because that can be a mindset of condemnation and guilt where you start to think every day, God is punishing me, God is hurting me, God's trying to teach me something. God doesn't do that. He's a loving father. Can I hear an amen? So now that we're learning the proper understanding of discipline, let us go now to the passage we just read. Jesus said in John 15, 2, every branch, somebody say every branch. So who is he talking to? How many of us? Every one of us. Somebody say every branch. How many does this apply to? Everyone. Every branch that bears fruit, he the Father, what? Prunes. Gives a massage to? Just comes alongside of it and says, I'm going to let this keep growing in your life. This attitude, I, I know nobody's perfect. You're not required to change. Is that what he does? Does he come along like Oprah Winfrey and say, well, you know, the Bible has changed. And, you know, now God says these things that he used to prune are actually okay. Hello? You see, when people used to have homosexual temptations, the Bible would say don't have them. But now people are saying, no, let it grow. Let, let it grow. There's, there's no need of pruning there. When, when people used to live together and have sex before they were married, uh, they would look at the Bible and say, no, you need to repent. You need God to prune that out. Now the culture says, no, that's okay. Let it keep growing. Hello? Has God's standards changed? No. It says every branch that bears fruit, he the Father does what? prunes that it may what? Bear more fruit. So those of you who are here today that weren't here last week, you need to go back and listen to the message already clean. Because the pruning is for our benefit because we are already holy and perfected in Christ. Some of us may think that God is pruning and working on me to try to perfect me, but no, the Bible says when I got engrafted into the vine, I was already made perfect. I was born again. Somebody say born again. 
Now, when I was born again, was I born again holy or unholy? When I was born again, was I born again in the image of sin or the image of God? When I was born again, was I made perfect like my heavenly Father is perfect or was I born sinful like the devil? You see, as I was born again, the new nature inside of my spirit was made holy, perfect, and righteous. So this pruning is not to make me righteous. This pruning is that I would remain righteous. So think of the water bottle. It's pure. It's clean. Something bad comes in. You get it out so it remains clean. The believer, the default should always be clean. Can I hear an amen? For those of you who don't believe me, just look quickly to Matthew chapter 5, verse 48. You see the scripture here that Jesus said, but you are to be what? Perfect, even as your heavenly Father is perfect. Here it is in another version. But you are to be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Now, quickly, looking at another scripture, looking at 1 Peter 1.16, holiness and perfection, both attributes of God. Peter said, for it is written, because I am, be holy, because I am holy. So somebody say, holiness is an attribute of God given to me when I was born again. So the pruning that we learn here is not for my identity, but it is for my function, to for my purpose to, to be who God called me to be, to do what he called me to do. Some may say it like this, I am who God said I am, and I can do what he said I can do. So that you can understand that discipline is synonymous with pruning, here's the author of Hebrews saying the same words of King Solomon in the book of Proverbs. How many like the book of Proverbs? How many believe they're better than fortune cookies? Fortune cookies will mess you up sometimes, won't they? Get you looking at people the wrong way, you know, like someone will betray you today. You? You know, no. You know, and then what you need to do with fortune cookies is just add on the statement in the bathroom at the end of your fortune cookie and just make a joke out of it, okay? So you will have great luck today in the bathroom. You will prosper today in the bathroom. It will be fun with your friends. Do it. Okay. But Proverbs are better than fortune cookies because they're the wisdom of God. And the author of Hebrews in the New Testament reaches back to the Old Testament and takes this quote of Proverbs and puts it in the, the New Testament. Look at what he says here in Hebrews 12, 5. My son or my children, do not make light of the Lord's what? The Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you because the Lord disciplines the one he loves and he chastens or spanks everyone he accepts as his son. Wow, that's pretty awesome. Now we can understand that the pruning is not because God doesn't love us, it's because God does love us. It's not that sin is so fun and God is like that wicked stepmother from Cinderella that won't let us go out to the ball. Anybody ever see the new Cinderella? I've had to watch it 20 times in the van with my kids. The wicked, I could like repeat it, sing it, dance it, you know what I'm saying? But God is not the wicked stepmother saying you can't have fun by living together with someone you're not married to. You can't have fun and, uh, you know, be angry or whatever. No, these things are actually sin. And God is loving us, and he's saying, don't drink that poison. 
Don't be in that relationship. It will break your heart. Don't jump off that cliff. How many understand God loves us? That's the purpose of the discipline. So now before I get into the message, that was just what? The introduction. I want to ask you a question. What are some things in your life today that God needs to prune? What are some things in your life that God wants to cut out? He says, I have made you holy, I have made you righteous, I have made you a new creation, but you keep letting these things into your life. By default, I have perfected you. By default, I've made you holy. Every temptation you've ever faced or will face, I've made a way of escape out of all you have to do is say, lead me not into it, deliver me from it, and you'll be saved. But yet there are some people here that are allowing these destructive habits in their lives. Now I'm not talking to sinners because sinners by, them, by their own nature are already going to be burned in the fire. No, I'm talking to branches, Christians, disciples, those engrafted in who have experienced the love of God, who have experienced a regeneration, a redemption. They have been changed and saved, and yet there are habits in the life that can cause pain and turmoil and God has to chasten, rebuke, correct. Rebuke literally means to command to stop and the Bible says he does that to those he loves. You've ever been with a child babysitting or parents with your own children and you've had to tell a child, stop, don't do that. You do it for their own good, not for your sake but for their sake. And that's who God is. God's already in heaven. He doesn't need to be there. Uh, he doesn't need to go there. He already is there. But how many of you want to go to heaven? <laughs> so he's rebuking and correcting you for your sake. Amen. You need holiness. How many know he's already holy? Amen. This is for our benefit. Now, I want to give you four ways to understand God's discipline. So let's look at this passage of Hebrews chapter 12, the one I just quoted from. Everybody turn there with me. Hebrews chapter 12. Starting in verse 4, we're going to look at this whole passage, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 4, and I want to give you the four things to look for as I read the passage, and then we'll go through it verse by verse. You're going to see in this passage of Hebrews chapter 12, verse 4, that number one, God disciplines those he loves. Number two, you're going to see that discipline is about maturity, not about identity, because God already loves you and has changed you, but he wants you to mature and to grow up. Number three, you're going to see that discipline doesn't feel good, but it is good for you. How many on a diet starting your New Year's resolution early? Can I hear an amen? Doesn't always feel good, but it's good for you. And if you think, oh, it feels good, oh, come work out with me then, because I'll take that feel-good feeling away right away, right away, because you ain't pushing yourself. Hello. I want to get you to that point where you push yourself. And by the way, I've lost another two pounds. I'm down to 222.5. Amen. Started a year ago at 286 pounds. Now I've lost over 60 pounds. God is good. And then lastly, see if you can find this in this passage, that God's harvest, God's blessing of righteousness and peace in your life comes from discipline. So you will see immediate benefit. Are you with me in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 4? If you're there, say, I'm there. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. It hasn't gotten that bad for you yet. How many of you have ever struggled with a sin and you started to sweat drops of blood? 
Did it get that real for you? See, Jesus, when he was tempted to avoid the cross, he prayed, not my will, but your will be done. And the battle of the will from man to divinity caused him to literally sweat drops of blood. The verses prior to this say that Jesus sets the example of always following the will of the Father. And it tells us, you haven't shed blood yet in your resisting of sin. And you have completely forgotten this word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his son. Woo, come on somebody. I think the author of Hebrews is getting up in your business. I think the author of Hebrews is keeping it real right now. Hey, those of you Christians living in sin, you ain't really fighting your battle. You haven't started shedding blood over it, so stop acting like it's that hard. You Christians who don't want to be disciplined, you forgot that God's discipline was to encourage you that he was your father and you were his child. Woo, somebody say preach it. It says, as we've read before from Proverbs, see, it says, the word says, my son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline. Do not lose heart. Do not lose heart. Don't be discouraged when he rebukes you because the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastens everyone he accepts as his son. Now listen to this. Endure hardship as, as discipline. Say the word discipline, saints. Discipline. Endure hardships as discipline. It's hard working out. It's hard to diet. It's hard to do these things, but accept it as discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? If you are not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate. No, not true sons and daughters at all. So you say, oh, God never disciplines me. Oh, he must not be your father then. See, because I preach all the time in places where people think they're all right. You go to Mardi Gras, they're already drunk. They've been looking at women's breastses, and they're over here going, oh, ain't God, not, God don't got a problem with this. I talk to young people all the time in youth groups. You look at their profile pic, always sticking out their fanny, trying to get attention from the fellow. Oh, God ain't got a problem with this. Well, the problem is you ain't hanging out with God. And then people say, well, my Jesus doesn't have a problem with this, and my Jesus doesn't judge me. My, you're right, your Jesus doesn't do anything because your Jesus is make-believe. Your Jesus doesn't exist because if you hung out with the real Jesus, the real legitimate Jesus, he would be up in your business. He would want to see your Facebook profile, ladies. He would want to see, gentlemen, your Internet history. He would want to see how you're spending your money. What are your priorities in life? It gets quiet when I preach like this, but I'm still preaching. Amen, walls. Hello. It's tight, but it's right. You can say, oh, my, oh, me, or you can say, Amen. Because this is the truth. Moreover, we all had human fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them for us. If you had a good disciplinary father, you were blessed. How much more should we submit to the father of spirits and live? They disciplined us for a while, as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in his holiness. You mean I'm, I'm expected to share in God's holiness? Yes. You mean I can't walk around saying nobody's perfect as my excuse anymore? No, because I'm not supposed to share in the devil's wickedness. I'm supposed to share in God's holiness. Now, who are you sharing stuff with today? Hello, you sharing stuff with Jesus or the devil? Your life will show forth what you share in your time and your heart with. No discipline. Here, I love the author of Hebrews. He keeps it real. 
No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. You mean, God, I got to break up with this person because they don't want to serve you anymore. It hurts. I've got grown people crying at altars like that. Grown people, people in their 40s and 50s trying to compromise, marry somebody that's not a Christian, and it hurts so bad. I've had people come to these altars weeping. You mean, God, I've got to give up the approval addiction I have with my family because I've always sought to please them. I've always sought to follow them. And now they're telling me that this is not the right path, that I don't have to go to church and I don't need to love you. God, i got to break my addiction of approval. It hurts. Oh, you, you mean, God, I've got to give some of the greenbacks out of my wallet instead to my own greeds that I've been feeding my flesh with? I've got to give back to you now. That hurts. I want a car payment. I want this. But you're telling me to help the missions. You're telling me to give tithe. Hello. If it ain't painful, you ain't being disciplined. If it's not painful, you're not being disciplined. Now, God encourages. God does a hundred other things, but we're not talking about that today. I'm talking about real discipline. This Bible says no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest. Woo, come on, somebody. Talking about being in the vine of God. It produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. You want a righteous life? You want to act right in life? You want to have things go right for you? You want to have inner peace, inner shalom, tranquility of mind and soul? You have to be trained. I have to be trained. Every single one of us has to be trained by the discipline of God. Can I get an amen? Oh, I look at this passage right here, and I'm reminded of these four things we talked about. The first thing that we see is that God loves us. Hebrews 12, 6, don't you know this is encouraging? If I said to my kids, I don't care what you wear today. If I said to my kids, I don't care what you eat today. I don't care how you talk to people. I don't care what you do with your life. I don't care where you play. I don't care what friends you have. Is that a loving father? When I hear my children speak disrespectful, and I discipline them, and I tell them to stop. Don't tell each other to shut up. Don't tell each other to be quiet. When I rebuke them, I do it out of love. Does God love you? Does God love you more than you love yourself? Does God love you, yes or no? Does God love you more than you love yourself? Yes, he does. Does God see things ahead of you that you don't even see are there? You see, you and I can be so deceived by ourselves. All you have to do is look at the mullet. Somebody say the mullet. All you have to do is just look at the mullet, and you can see how we can deceive ourselves. Let me just show you right here. See, people thought at one time this was the hairdo to have. This is what people thought you needed to have to be cool. This guy right here. Look at all these guys. Yeah, you see, that, that was what was up. Look at that guy right there, shirtless. Let me just tell you something. If you ever have a Facebook profile, gentlemen, without your shirt on, you are lame. Keep your shirt on, gentlemen. You see, we could be so easily deceived. 
You just look at your hairstyle. Look at this right here. I don't know if anybody was around. I know I got a young church here, but some of you all might have been around for this. How about 80s girl hairstyles? Anybody ever seen these? You can be deceived so easily. Let's go right here. Let's hope that it's pure. Amen. Let's keep it pure right here. Let's go right here. See, there's just a regular woman right here. This regular woman right here, she was, she was coming to church. If she had to go somewhere, this is how she dressed up. This is how they would get down back then. You understand what I'm saying? That, that's what you did. Now, if you don't think you can deceive yourselves by, by looking at your own hairstyle, why don't you look at people you've dated in life? Look at how you thought that was love at that time. Look at the friends you have picked out. Look how easily you were deceived by what they told you. Self-deception is the worst kind of deception because you don't think you're deceived. When she looked in the mirror that day, she thought that was hot. When that dude with the mullet looked at his hair, he thought he was hot. You see, we're so easily deceived, but the Father knows what we don't know. The Father sees what we don't see. He teaches us to avoid problems that we don't even know are problems yet. I could keep you here all day with all the times the Lord has rebuked and corrected me for my own benefit. I remember being one time in my house, and uh, I was watching movies, and I said to myself, you know what, I could use my time better than this. And I began to hear the Lord tell me that if I didn't stop doing these things, God was going to stop moving in my life. Now, you may say movies, you know, aren't sin. I get that. But God began to rebuke me about how I was wasting my time. And I began to realize I was spending all my time watching these movies. And then I began to start using my time to do ministry. And out of that, I avoided the problem of being addicted to media. Some of you are addicted to sports. Some of you are addicted to the media of this world. You're addicted to your phones. And you're not hearing the Lord try to tell you, stop that. Because it's taken away your time from him. I love what one Facebook profile said. Uh, Maury Povich is on it. And it says, you, you said you didn't have time to read uh, the Bible, but your Facebook timeline shows that was a lie. Hello. See, God disciplines us. We, we don't understand where that addiction of media can leave us. But you know what? I've been free from pornography for almost 20 years now, and I guarantee you it had a lot to do with me cutting myself off from the kind of movies I was watching. Are you hearing the Lord speak to you? The next thing that we see there is that discipline is not about uh, identity. It's about maturity. The Bible says that he is increasing in us this sense of holiness, not because we're not holy, but because we need to act holy. You see, God made me holy, but I don't always act holy. God made me perfect, but I don't always act perfect. God made me righteous, but I don't always act righteous. How many believe that? You see, when you turn to this passage here in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, you begin to see that God is speaking to us. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 11, and look at what he says. Matter of fact, let me start in verse 9. It says, I wrote to you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people. See, some of y'all can't even hear that word. You keep having sex and doing stuff you're not supposed to. Well, how about you stop hanging out with people that will have sex with you without being married to you? Amen. And then you stop hanging out with yourself. Amen. Righty and lefty, whatever else you're doing. Hello. To get yourself pure and holy. Let's keep it real. 
But let's just start right there. Let's just start right there. Let's stop hanging out with sexually immoral people, that, you know, because I always tell this to ladies that are right here that, that, that are Christian. If you date a godly man, you could do a, you could do a Pharaoh's, uh, a Potiphar's wife with him and pull off all his clothes and he'll be buck naked and he'll run away from you. Because a godly man won't get in bed with you no matter what you do. Hello. Joseph was not made to sleep with that woman, and she tried to rape him. Got him bucked. They took off his clothes, stripped him of his robe, and he still ran away and said, I ain't doing this. A godly man will do that. And the same thing, men. If you dated a Christian woman, you would never be able to go to bed with her. If you went too far, she would say, oh, yeah, well, let's do it. Let's do it. But just close your eyes first. Close your eyes first, and I'm going to give you something real good right here. And I tell all Christian women do this. You just tell him if he's asking to make love and have sex, let's make love, baby. Ain't nothing wrong with it. We're going to get married sooner or later. God knows. I'm telling you, I've heard all those. Like, you just have, oh, you want to see it? Oh, yeah, I want, you want it? You want Just close your eyes, man. Close your eyes. And then you take off your shoe, and you put back your hand as far as you can. Pap! Don't you ever talk to me like that. And you walk out of that room, and a man, you will never sleep with an ungodly man again. You will never hear that junk again. Hello. I wrote to you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people, not at all meaning the people of this world who are immoral, greedy, swindlers, idolaters. In that case, you'd have to leave the world because then you couldn't go to your job if you couldn't be around them in some setting. But he's talking about not in close relationship. But listen to what he says in verse 11. But now I'm writing you that you must not associate with anyone who claims to be a brother or sister, someone who says, I love Jesus. You can't be around these hypocrite people who say they love Jesus, but they're sexually immoral, greedy, idolaters, slanderers, drink, uh, slanderers, drunkards, swindlers. Do not even eat with such people. See, I would rather you come in here and admit, Pastor, I ain't saved. I ain't right with God. I know I'm going to hell if I die. Pray for me. Then to see you come in here, oh, hallelujah, brother. Oh, I love the church. And then you shacking up, dropping it like it's hot at the club. Hello, let's just keep it real. Come in here like you really are, amen, because God knows who you are. What business is it of mine to judge those outside the church? Are you not to judge those in the church? That's a whole other story I ain't got time to get into. But God will judge those outside, expel the wicked person. And then you look at this verse here that we went through. The Bible says that we need to be cautious of how we live because God is going to discipline us and chastise us if we don't. And then if we look here to 2 Corinthians chapter 6, how many say ain't no faking the funk here? Come on, you look at your neighbor and say, I hope you ain't faking the funk. Come on. Praise God. I got the wrong scripture here. I'm going to find it for you because I want you guys to see it. Somebody say, but I was washed. But you were washed. You were sanctified. You were cleansed. Amen. And that's how Christ wants you to live. Look at this passage right here in 1 Corinthians 6.11. I did have the right passage. Why is it not coming up to you right here? Oh, chapter 5. Thank you, my Bible scholar. Yeah, I got the wrong passage there. It can make a difference. I preached it out of 6 like it was meant to be in there. Amen? And it seemed like God used it too, right? That was a good passage to throw right in there, Holy Ghost. Look at this right here. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 11, Jared. In, in, in 2 Corinthians. Oh, I originally put it in wrong. Got it. Boom, here we go. And that is what some of you were. Somebody say, I used to be that way. But you were what? 
washed. Let's say it like this. Somebody say, I was washed. I was sanctified. I was justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. You see, that's what's up. Who are you right now? Are you that old person or are you the person that God made you to be? Who have you become in this world? Christ is telling you, you are holy, you are righteous, you are the one that I have called to bear much fruit. So when we look at the discipline of the Lord, we look at God changing us from who we were to who we need to be, living it out. The next thing that we see here is that discipline does not always feel good, but it sure is good for us. Think about the things in your life that have cost you your comfort, comfort, but have produced for you rewards and benefits. How many here today have a high school diploma? How many of you know that cost you some comfort in your high school years? See, I was a high school dropout. I didn't do what you did. And because of that, I had to pay the price. I do not have the joy of telling my children I graduated from high school. I do not have the privilege of telling them I went to prom. I had to get a GED. But those of you who got your high school diploma, you made sacrifices that I didn't. I was going to jail. How many of you here today have a college degree of any kind, either something, a trade school you went to or from a university or college? Raise your hand. Come on, be loud and proud about it, y'all. Don't be shy now. You had to work hard for that, didn't you? You had to pay a price for that. When other people were going out and having fun, you had to decide to stay in. When other people were cutting corners and not doing their reading assignments and writing the paper as the professor wanted them to, you had to make that sacrifice. It was painful, wasn't it? I remember I was so tired sometimes during finals and writing papers that I remember I asked my friend, I said, dude, would you just sit at the computer and I'll just dictate this thing to you? And I had to stay up by just walking, and I was just walking, looking at the textbooks, quoting it to him, and he literally was, dic was writing out my dictation. I didn't even go to sleep that night, and I fell asleep in the first period class. But I was willing to get an A in that class. By the end, of, I started off as a high school dropout with a GED in college, when I got my first quarter in college, I had C's and B's, and by my last quarter, I had all A's. Now today, I'm getting my doctorate after having earned my master's degree. You see, God can do things in your life, amen? And it's the things that necessarily, most of the time, that are necessary that we don't want to do. You know, we look at our diet, and I can relate to this. There are so many things that are easier to do than to watch what you eat. It's easier to eat the chocolate cake than it is to resist it. It's easier to stay on the couch than to go to the gym. I cannot tell you through these last 13 months how many times I came up with excuses not to go to the gym. It's raining. I'm tired. I went yesterday. I'm sore. I cannot tell you how often I had these excuses in my mind. It's boring. I don't want to go there. It smells. I even remember telling myself this. It smells. I'm tired of being around that smell. You know how the place just has a smell and you just get sick of that smell? Sick of the smell. I remember going swimming in the pool. I swim on average a mile when I swim and I will be there for an hour at a time. Just one lap and then another lap and then another lap. I mean, I guess it's better than just being on a treadmill, but I mean, you can only look down at that pavement for so long. I, I literally had to buy headphones to go underwater to put an iPad on my, in my ears so I can listen to sermons because it got so monotonizing. But you have to make a choice. Is the goal worth this sacrifice? Is what I want to achieve in the future worth this momentary pain? And that's what I want to ask you. And it doesn't matter what struggle you're having today with sin. Is God's promise of holiness and righteousness worth your momentary pain?
Is it worth the momentary discomfort that you will feel? Are you willing to give it up for what God has for you? Are you willing to let go of this thing that's in your hand for what God has in his hand? When we look at the Bible, we see that everyone that submitted to God's discipline had the benefits. And that is, lastly, at the end, the righteousness and peace that comes from following God. Can you trade anything for righteousness that's worth it? I mean, could you, here's righteousness, I'll trade it for $100. Would you trade righteousness for $100? Uh, here's righteousness, I'll trade it for a company. Would you trade righteousness for a company? Here's righteousness, I'll trade it for the whole world. The Bible literally says, if you would be willing to trade your soul, even for the whole entire world, for the wickedness, for righteousness, you would be a fool. If the devil said, here's the whole world, just live like me, I'll give this whole thing to you, you would still be a fool. Why? Because you only get it for a few years. You can't live forever. Righteousness, the Bible says, transcends this life into the, into the ever after. How many want a happy ending when they die? You know, my aunt right now is on her deathbed. She's dying of bone cancer. She's at hospice. My dad has come into town. And do you know that on her deathbed, she's a believer in God. She's praying for my wife. She's praying for me. She is going out like a saint. She has shown the devil that you can't take my joy from me, and this body is just an earthly tent, and I'm soon to get my new heavenly one. My friends, there is nothing in this world worth trading the glory of God for. And then now let me say it like this. If righteousness didn't catch your attention, what in this world is worth trading your inner peace for? We look at these superstars who commit suicide. I mean, look at, you know, Willie, uh, Robin Williams. What would he have that you could not have? I mean, he had everything that you and I could never imagine of having. He was worth over $100 million, yet he had no peace here. $100 million, but no peace here. You would think that $1,000 would make you happy. If I gave one of you $1,000, you'd be back flipping up and down this thing. Woo! Thank you, Jesus. You'd be cartwheeling all over this place. If I gave you a million dollars, we would have to have our nurses' aides here train your pampers. You would be wetting all the oh, million dollars. This little trickle would be going down your leg. If I gave you $100 million, you would pass out and wake up next week in the hospital. You wouldn't even know what to do with yourself, right? I mean, that's how we think, oh, this will change my life if I had this money. Money doesn't buy you love, and certainly money doesn't buy you peace. Only the Prince of Peace can give you peace. No other religion can give you peace. We see what the religion of peace is doing right now. Islam came, claims to be a religion of peace, and we see what turmoil it brings. Keep praying for those in San Bernardino. We look at this scripture, and we're reminded that God is in charge. And if we let him change our lives, he will bless us with righteousness and peace. Now look at your neighbor and say, make it plain. I want to give you in closing 14 things that God loves to prune. I'm going to go through them quickly. Vinny, would you come, please? 14 things in your life, my life. Nobody gets out of this, my friends. Everybody is going to be pruned in this life many, 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 many times. Not for our nature's sake, but for our maturity's sake. What are some of the things that God wants to prune out of us? Bad attitudes. God sees how you're talking to others, how you're treating coworkers, how you talk to your parents, young people, husbands and wives, how you bicker with each other, parents, how you speak to your children, how you speak to each other in public places, you know, in the restaurant, to the waiter, 
from the waiter to the customer, from the waiter to other waiters behind the customer's back. Bad attitudes. Somebody say snip, snip. Every time I say one of these, say snip, snip. Sexual perversion, that's what he wants to do. He wants to take it out. The Bible has all kinds of definition for sexual perversion. I don't have time to get into it, so I'll give you the one definition of sexual purity. Everything else is a perversion of the original version. You want to hear the original version? One man, one woman, in marriage for life. Everything else is a perversion of the original version. For your benefit, look at this. You see how these are red on the notes, which are always online at the website or at the Facebook page? I have links. If you uh, click on them, you will see all the scriptures that the Bible says about these things. Look at this, about bad attitudes. Let me see if I can get this here. There we go. Look at this. You, go to the, you say, well, I don't know about how to check my attitude. Okay. Go to that scripture, Matthew 5, 22. But I say to you that everyone who's angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. And whoever says you fool, whoever curses out somebody will be liable to the hell fire. Anyone who does not love does not know God. Fathers, don't provoke your children. You see, somebody say, help me with my attitude. Come on, you want to know scriptures about sexual perversion? You just come right there, you click on that link. Just as uh, Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding cities, which likewise indulge in sexual immorality and pursuit of natural desire, serve as examples by undergoing a punishment of eternal fire. You think sexual immorality is a joke? God says, look at Sodom and Gomorrah. That's the same way we will be judged. If a man lies with a man as he does with a woman, both have committed an abomination. They shall surely be put to death. Hello. You want to learn about what God says about those things? Just click on those links. Jealousy. Come on, jealousy. These are 14 things God wants to snip out of our lives. Jealousy. Wanting what someone else has because you haven't done what they had to get it. See, it's one thing to not like the character of somebody. You can easily say, I don't like the sin in somebody's life because the Bible says you can love the sinner and hate the sin. I get that. But if you become jealous and you think you deserve it more than they have it, you're now on the wrong side of God. Bitterness. Come on, bitterness. Thank you. That's unforgiveness. That's thinking you shouldn't have to forgive somebody. Well, I don't got to forgive that church because they were mean to me. I don't have to forgive my husband because they were mean to me. I don't have to forgive my dad because he abused me. All sin against us we are to forgive. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Fear. Snip, snip, the Bible says the cowardly will have their place in the lake of fire. Cowardliness will not be affirmed in God's kingdom. God looks at us in fear and has compassion, but he does not want us to stay in it. He wants us to be as bold as a lion. The Bible says the righteous are as bold as a lion. Insecurity. Come on, ladies, especially insecurity. Love your body. Look at all these Facebook videos teaching women to love their body. The Christians should be leading this movement. Women, we don't have to look. You don't have to look like a magazine cover to love yourself. Love who you are. Love the skin you're in. And all men, you don't have to make money like these rap artists and these uh, basketball stars to provide for your family. Work hard. Be diligent. Come early. Stay late, and God will bless you. Self-righteousness. Well, this message was good. I'm glad my neighborhood heard it because they're really messed up. Oh, yeah, you got something, too, that needs to be cut out, your self-righteousness. 
your idea that you don't think you need to be snipped and pruned. The author of Hebrews says he was being snipped and pruned. He said this was, was for him. Are you better than an author of the Bible? All of us have to be pruned, starting with me, the way I talk to my wife and children, the way I pastor this church. God forbid if I ever think I'm better than this. Somebody say pride. Now snip, snip. Come on. All of this pride. What's the middle letter of pride? I. It's all about me, myself, and I. Put my own budget before what God wants me to do. You know, people say, it's my money. I'll do what I want with it. Well, okay, if it's your money, you're going to hell with it then. Because I thought God owned everything. I thought God owned your money. I thought God owned your heart and your wallet. Hello? Does God just not just have your heart? He don't get your wallet? Other people say, well, it's my day. It's Sunday. I'll do what I want with it. Oh, it's your day now. You can skip church and do whatever you want on Sunday. So that means you made Sunday, huh? You got Sunday in your pocket. Can I get another one, please? God said, don't forsake the gathering together of the brethren. Amen. Once my wife can limp along into this building, she will be here, not because she has to, because she wants to. There is power in the presence of God with his brothers and sisters. Amen. False beliefs. Some people believe stuff that's not true, and you think God's going to think that's cute. No, get rid of that belief. Get rid of superstition. Get rid of false things that even family members taught you. Not everything my parents taught me is right. Not everything your parents taught you is right. Go back to the Word and say, God, you teach me. Whatever doesn't line up with your Word, it's getting out of my life. How many here want to be dumb on purpose? Does anybody here want to be ignorant? That's what it means to be ignorant, dumb on purpose. No, 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 no. My mother told me if I pray to St. Guadalupe, I will be blessed. Well, your mother's wrong. Well, my mother told me if I go to church and sing in the choir, I get to go to heaven because I said a prayer when I was little. Your mother's wrong. It doesn't mean she's going to hell. It just means she's wrong. My mother was wrong about some things. Hello? Your parents were wrong about things. Our family and culture has been wrong about things. False beliefs. Y'all getting quiet now. False beliefs. Sniff, sniff. Anger. The Bible says, be angry and sin not. Anytime you and I sin in anger, God is not pleased. God is not saying, oh, I understand. No, we sin in anger, snip, snip. Violence, that's obvious. Unforgiveness, greed, disobedience. Amen. Before we go right now, let's just close our eyes and say, Lord, what do you need to snip out of my heart? Ben, would you come? Thank you for hearing the preacher preach today. But remember, it's not about me now. It's about you and God. Oh, Jesus, do not let me be a hypocrite today. Start in me right now. Speak to me, God. What are the things that you want to snip and cut out of my life? You have said I'm already clean. I'm engrafted in your vine. I am holy, perfect, and righteous. But there are behaviors and patterns that I go back to out of habit, mindsets, and thoughts that you want to change. Show me now, God. Just as the band comes, we're going to start singing uh, softly in the background. Jesus, be the center of it all. Encourage us. It may feel painful at first, God, because I've, I've gotten used to that bad leaf in my life. I've gotten used to that thing that I found to be enjoyable. And it may seem painful to get out. But, oh, Lord, I want it out today. Come on, everybody in an attitude of prayer. Don't be deceived today. Sin can be very pleasurable and discipline can be very painful.
Don't go by your feelings. Go by the Spirit. Think about it. Come on. Last illustration before I let you just pray in meditation. But think about it. Eating chocolate cake, eating pizza feels good. Stopping doing those things is hard for some of us. Be honest. Come on. Sitting on your couch, staying in bed, sleeping late feels good. Getting up at 6 a.m., jogging five miles, not always. Same thing in our spirits. Your sin may feel so good you've convinced yourself, God couldn't want to get rid of this. It makes me so happy. Hold on. He didn't come here to make you happy. He came to make you holy. And out of holiness will come joy, which is more than just happiness, which is based on happenstance. Happiness comes from things happening happening in your life or not happening. That's when you're not happy. But joy comes from the abiding presence of God. Never changes. Right now, 60 seconds. We're all just listening to the band sing that quietly as we meditate. Let the Lord speak. Jesus, be the center and be it Jesus, be the center of it all. From beginning to the end, there will always be, there's always been you, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, be the my life. Jesus be the center of my life. Jesus be the center of my life. From beginning to the end, it will always be, it's always been you, Jesus. Jesus. Just a few more moments. What is he speaking to you today about? I've already got just a few right now. I'm sure God would give me more. That's why we got to spend time with him daily. He'll show you who you are and what he wants to change. But remember, he does it because he loves us. He loves you. He loves you. He is treating you as a good father treats their children. Don't let the devil make you feel that God is a party pooper or that God is an evil dictator. God is doing this for our benefit, for our righteousness, for us to have peace. Just 10 more seconds right now. Come on, I know God is speaking. See, God loves to answer prayers like this. Altar workers, would you come please as we get ready to close out today? Oh, Jesus, be the center of my life. Be the center of my attitude. Be the center of my sexuality. Be the center of all that I spend my money on. Be the center of my job. Be the center of my dreams. Be the center of my goals in life. Be the center of my friendships. Be the center of my marriage. Be the center of my fatherhood. The center of my house. The center of the church. Everything I do in life, God. For me to pretend I don't need you would be pride. So prune away, great gardener. 
prune away at me. I'm yours. You know what you're doing. I trust you. And I surrender. And let us all say what Jesus said. Not my will. Come on, say it. Not my will. But your will be done. Come on, say it again. Not my will. Not my ways. But your will and your ways be done. Would you stand up? Let's give Jesus a hand clap. Come on. Come on, somebody look at your neighbor and say, Neighbor, next time you see me, I'm going to be looking a lot different than I do right now. Come on, look at your other neighbor and say, Neighbor, God is working on me. He is changing me to share in his holiness. Woo! I believe, I believe it. If you do, say amen. See, that's how we understand sanctification. Not as, oh, I'm some sinner. No, I'm a righteous saint of God, and he don't want anything less than the best for me. That's how we understand it. I'm a child of the king, and he don't want me walking around with dirty diapers. God's got a plan for us. Amen? Hallelujah. To bless us, to prosper us, to bear more fruit. Oh, man, what kind of fruit's going to be in your life a year from now? Relationships are going to bear more fruit. Your education, your finances. Man, I've been walking with the Lord 20 years, and it's just like, bloop, oh, where did this fruit come from? Bloop, where did this fruit come from? It's like God just says, look, I'm surprising you. Those things you did way back when you didn't think it mattered, it matters now. You think you get a good marriage by accident? You get it now by being pruned as a single person. You think you're going to be happy one day by accident? No, you're going to base your life on God's joy and not happenstance. Amen? My brother right here, the hipster, you got the goatee. No, the beard, rather. Look at you. This little ponytail right here, you are amazing. Is the Lord pruning you? Yes, yes. Making you into his perfect image. Amen? Sharing in his holiness. Can you pray for all of us to let that work continue? Father God, we thank you for the word today, God. Lord, we ask you, Lord, that your presence will be with us, God, that you will continually, oh God, pruning us, Lord Jesus, shaping us in what you want us to be, Lord God. We ask for your Holy Spirit to be with us, Jesus. In your name we pray. Jesus, we love you. Have a great week. We'll see you next time. Come on up for prayer if you need some. But let's sing this song. Jesus, be the center of my life as you head out today. Jesus, be the center of my life. Jesus, be the center of my life. Woo! Yeah, yeah, yeah. From beginning to the end, it will always be. It's always been you. It's always been you, Jesus. If you want prayer, come on up. Otherwise, God bless you. Nothing else matters. Nothing in this world will do. Nothing can compare with you. Because Jesus, you're the center.
my heart to the heavens. From my heart to the heavens, Jesus be the center.